Oh, wow! The seals on both of these wine bottles are like exactly the same color. No, wait, they're not. Here's, that one's purple. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was, my mind was momentarily blown and now it's not. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I'm Wendy. I am Melissa. And this week, we are quite blatantly taking a listener suggestion. Yes. So if you have a suggestion, you should send it on in, because we do listen. Ryan Alexander said, you should do a podcast about booze movies, because meta. And we went... Yes. We should. We totally should. And we've already recorded one episode tonight, which means we already have a bottle of wine already in us already. Under our belt. And um, we just opened another one. So we are ready. We, yes. We, we're like method actors. We are going for the gold on this baby. So <laughs> so, so what we have tonight, uh, aside from the, the, the bottle of booze that's already in our bellies, <laughs> the one that we are now drinking is a Le Grand Noir Malbec. And there is a picture of a black sheep on the bottle. So, Which is why I chose it. I'm like, ooh, let's drink the sheepy wine. It, it, it is a sheepy wine. Well, it doesn't taste like sheep. And it, also, very... I love a Malbec. I do. Yes, I, I'm big on Malbecs. And this is very firm and fruity. I, I have not tried it yet. I'm finishing off the last of the last bottle. Yes. Which was a Beaujolais. Yeah, it's, it's, Beaujolais it's fruity. Beaujolais goes straight to my head. I'm a fan of Alan Parsons. So, <laughs> so we were like, Melissa and I are drunk. We record two podcasts every night that we get together, which means the second one gets increasingly interesting. Yes, it, even numbered ones are drunker. <laughs> well, we don't post them in any kind of order. No, though. no, 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 no. I'm OCD enough that the drunker ones are the even ones. So even though we post out of order, I go, oh, this is a an odd number week. I can't post an even numbered episode <laughs> I love the, I love the way your OCD kicks in. <laughs> Yay. Therapy. So, Ryan, we we used him as our listener in the last episode we just finished recording, and he recommended booze movies, and we're like, oh, that is a great idea. And so we quickly created a Google document called yes. Booze, booze movies. movies and started brainstorming and internet searching. And so we have quite the list to share with you tonight, listener. Yes. So grab your own bottle of whatever booze you prefer and let's all settle in. Yes. Beaujolais gone. Oh, now you get to try the sheep wine. I am going to try the sheepy wine. Bah. I'm so drunk I can't even ba. Well, actually, a goat goes more meh, and a sheep goes more bah. <laughs> sheep stick their tongue out more than bah. Great radio, Wendy. <laughs> Ooh, you're right. That Malbec Isn't is. That, yes. It, it, sheep it's, wine is great wine. It's so, it's still got that Malbec body and spice, yeah. but it's particularly fruity. So it's like sassy fruit. It's yeah. all mm, <laughs> snapping its way into my mouth like, hello, girl, let's do this. All right, so mm. let's get started on the booze movies. Yes, booze movies. Um, you the know what? The first movie I put on the list, when I'm like, when I think about booze, what comes up, what pops to the top of my head? Well, of course, the thin man. <laughs> Nick and your Charles are Nick heroes. And Norch, they yes. are my heroes. They know how to be drunk so well and so wittily. 
I love The Thin Man. I love that I got to see it on the big screen at one of my favorite movie theaters at the Heights Theater in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. And I took my husband to see it, and he had never seen it, so the first time he saw it was on the big screen. That's so good. And he fell in love with it, because you should. Oh, and did you see Monty's picture for Buttonamathon this year? You had to yes. take a picture of yourself as your favorite movie star. Yes. And it was adorable. And I did a Fosse photo, and he totally thin-manned, which considering that he had never seen it until he saw it on the big screen because I drug him to the movie, I'm like, well, I didn't have to drag. That makes it sound like he didn't want to go. I'm like, honey, the thin man. He's like, I've never seen it. I'm like, oh, my God, you will love it so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he did because it's great. And I love that they are total partners, not just in crime solving, but in drinking. Yes. (laughs) When... She's like, how many has he had? He's had seven. Bring me seven and line them up right here. It's time for me to catch up. <laughs> no more for you until I've caught up and then we'll go along together, my friend. My, my lovely partner in crime, Fess, has wonderful parents who are um, big movie nerds. Really? Fess, Fess is not a movie nerd, but his parents are. So when I met them, we, we started bonding over just classic films and and when we brought up thin man like the three of us are just like bonding so hard over thin man it's like they have the thin man collection and we're watching the sequels and we're you know going oh it's asta and and my poor boyfriend's going i don't know (laughs) but but how did he not fall in love with them when he could see them i don't know you don't have to be a movie nerd to just love how sassy they are and how there's joie de vivre and... Oh, oh. He, he doesn't dislike The Thin Man. I, I can assure well, you that. you can't. Yes. I'm sorry. Anybody who you... dislikes The Thin Man is a psychopath and you should put them in jail because they they failed some sort of Rorschach test by not liking The Thin Man. Opinions from Wendy. I have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Seriously, though, that should be like uh, something that happens like when you're 24. 25. I feel like at 25, you should be able to appreciate the movie. Yeah. 25, you're shown the thin man, and if you don't think it's funny, you come over here and you don't have to, we're not going to let you mix with the rest of society. You don't have any yeah. sense of humor. I think I think when you're younger than that, you can't actually really appreciate the thin man, unless you've had a really unusual upbringing. Well, but it's... It, raising it, my hand here. Yeah, really. But it's, it's not just about... You know, it's not just about the drinking. It's the relationship between Nick and Norrell Charles. And it's it's an, a real adult relationship. It's, it is. It's, it's very mature and yeah. loving. And yeah, they're, they're married and they're... And you can tell they've been married for a long time, but they're partners. And they love it. They love the person that the other person is. Yes. They, they just think that other person is nifty. Yeah. And they like them just the way they are, and they, they get tickled by them. And they're, to- they're equals. Oh, yeah. That, that's just the best part. They are, they are titans, and they are together on screen, and they, they adore <laughs> each other, and they make each other better. So the flip side of this would be Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, my God. Because, so we've got... Um, now, of course, it's a stage play, but I'm, I want to specifically talk about the Elizabeth Taylor Richard Burton film film version. And I remember I only first saw this movie two or three years ago. So, you know. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. You've never. Oh, Wendy, we have to work on this. It's. Have you at we least. We need to go back through all of these podcasts and make a list of movies you haven't seen and movies I haven't seen so we can keep track of the And, and then we, we spend a weekend, and that's all we do is watch these and movies. And we like say goodbye to Fess and goodbye to Monty. We have to go do something, yes. and we just lock ourselves in a room. Yeah, like, like we send the boys to my house, and the girls come over to your house. No, and, that's no good because Teddy. Okay, the other way around. The other way around. Okay. Anyway, so, so but who's so afraid of Virginia who's, Woolf? Who's af- so this is about you. Yeah, talking. so who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton. Now you've seen the play at least, right? I have read the play. You've read the play, so you're at least familiar with yeah. this production. the The movie, as far as I can tell, is 
really fairly faithful to the play because I've seen it on stage before as well. I, I saw it with, with Patrick Stewart in Mercedes Rail at the Guthrie. It was awesome. Oh but anyway, my God, that would be fantastic. It, 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 was, it was really awesome. Well, and also Richard but, Burton was a stage actor first. But yes, and if they filmed it as a movie, he was probably like. Uh, by the way, we wanted. I want to do this project because I'm Richard fucking Burton, yeah. and that means we're going to do it for realsies. Yeah. So, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is an amazing movie. It's absolutely amazing. Filmed in black and white. Um, it's it's really true to the stage play, and it is Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor at the height of their powers. Oh yeah. And these are titans of acting, and they are no hold barred going at each other and mm. fighting and so this is this is like alcohol and it's not fun but it it still is really fascinating to watch because these are two really intelligent people who are kind of keeping each other stimulated by trading barbs with each other yeah i mean it's dysfunctional but dysfunctional is still functional yeah i mean in a creepy sort of way this is what their relationship is based on, and this is what keeps them moving, is the other person's barbs. Yes. The other person goading them on. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of been in those relationships, and it's not healthy, and it's not pretty, but, but there's something sort of creepily satisfying about one-upping each other constantly. And, and sometimes the sex is really hot. Oh, God, yeah. It was really hot <laughs> sex. Let, let's toast to that. <laughs> That's the only reason to be in those shitty fucking relationships. Yeah, god damn it. The sex is hot. And sometimes you just... Learning experiences. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember just watching that movie just... You know, it was like that ad for Maxell tapes in the 80s. The guy sitting in the chair with the speaker in front of him with the wind tunnel sort of thing happening. <laughs> that kind of was me sitting in front of my TV watching Virginia Woolf for the first time. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And they're just... <laughs> it, it is so... When you say Richard Burgundy, I have this memory. I had a friend named Brad Peterson and we would trade... Letters and and mixtapes. Oh, he sent me the War of the Worlds, the music. Richard Burton one. Yes, <gasps> the nineteen seventies Richard Burton musical War of the Worlds. Yes. Oh! Was that wait? That wasn't Roger Waters. That was um. Oh, who was it? Words. I should know who it is, but I'm Jeff sure. Wayne. Jeff there Wayne. Jeffrey Wayne, a concept album, 1978. Yes. And what I, the reason why, what I always think about is when he sent it to me and the enclosed letter, and he's like, notice how everyone else kind of sounds like shit next to Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. When Richard Burton speaks, it's Richard fucking Burton, and he's just all British and gravitas and other people come in and they're like hi i'd like to act next to you i'm richard burton i'm this other person (laughs) and it's it's true i love i I got it on cd i love that so much yeah with with who's afraid of virginia wolf you get the sense that the only other person who could possibly be on screen with richard burton at this point in time is elizabeth taylor and honestly I feel like Elizabeth Taylor gets talked, and again, it's that feminist thing. Well, there she is. gets talked about with her looks, with her marriages, with her personal life, and yet nobody really talks about her as one of the great actresses. She's amazing. She is. She's no, holding her. Reason, she's more than holding her own against Richard Burton. The reason she has this legendary status in Hollywood is because she was a great actress. Oh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? Oh, God, she was amazing. fantastic. Oh. Oh, my God. There is a movie that you should not watch until you are old enough to appreciate what the fuck is going on, yeah. and then it is just fucking hot. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, so more drunken movies. More drunken movies. Or movies where you're altered, because we should give a shout-out to... Harold and Kumar. Yes. They don't get drunk, but they do get high. And it's pretty similar. And all they are wanting is a fucking good burger. And we should know, listeners, after all these podcasts, that by the time we finish recording, all I want is a burger. (laughs) You have had so many burgers as the result of this podcast. It's true.
way too long for us to find each other's glasses. <laughs> Click. 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 <laughs> hey, look. Hey. 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 Oh my god. Now, I did learn as we were writing down movies for this uh, podcast that yeah. you also have not seen With Nail and I. I have not. With Nail and I it's an amazing movie. It is, um, it's a movie that came to my attention because I am a rabid fan of Richard E. Grant. I love him so much. I know. Anybody to know. Lick the mirror gorgeous. Lick lick the mirror gorgeous. Ah. Yeah. So once again, the gestures were amazing. I just licked my hand. Such great radio. So Richard E. Grant, who is... I think my favorite character actor. I, I have just this undying love of the man. He he is... Mm, I have so many character actors I love. Yeah. But, well, they're they, mo- but they are mostly British. Yeah. You know Monty's... But, pos- his, um, his hypothesis, right? There are really ten great British actors and three of them are Gary Oldman. <laughs> I'll agree with that. It's true. And, and, and two are um, Michael Caine. <laughs> But Michael anyway, Caine. Michael, Michael If you Caine. say my cocaine, you Michael just Caine. said Michael Caine with his own action. Yes. His own accent. Action. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard E. Grant is fabulous in so many ways. Um he 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 writes move he writes books too, which are great. Um if you have never read With Nails, it's a book about Richard E. Grant basically wrote his memoirs. From the start of his career through like Hudson Hawk, I love Hudson I know! Hawk. But it, it's like each chapter is like that the, one's for you, Ishmael, baby. Oh God, I love Hudson Hawk too. But Richard E. Grant writes his memoirs, and like each ca- chapter is working on a different movie project, and um, and God, he dishes out the stories. <gasps> Does he? I want he, this book. Do you have oh, it? Um, yes, I do. I would I, borrow. Yes, yes. So anybody, it, you can get it on Amazon, and it's it's called With Nails. But anyway, the reason it's called With Nails is because his first major screen role was in a movie called With Nail and I, which is this British film directed by Bruce Robinson. It's a movie about Richard E. Grant and Paul McGann of Doctor Who fame. What? Going on a fucking bender in the country. How have I not seen this? I don't movie? know, but it's amazing. We should talk about mm, cocktail. You, Co- need, <laughs> you, you need to talk about cocktail. Hold up, cocktail. Call back. <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> I actually don't even really want to talk about it because it's a. Sh- Oh okay, God. okay, it's, okay. Well, we'll reset. It's reset, such a reset. bad movie. It's about a bartender who becomes famous for being a bartender, and then he, like, woos a socialite, but he's a dick to her. He's an unlikable character, uh. and he finally realizes that he's an asshole and becomes a better person. And it's just a shitty fucking movie. Yeah, fuck that. And for some reason... Oh, I know why. It's because we were at the Disney water parks, and they were playing... Aruba, which is a shitty Beach Boys oh, song too. God. But it's in. What? How did Beach Boys? I know, but it's so in low. Cocktail, which made me think of Cocktail. So just last week, I was thinking of that shitty Tom Cruise movie, and when Ryan suggested booze movie, I like oh, Cocktail. There's a lot of booze in that, and he, but he's an asshole. That said, I am making Top Gun the musical with my friend Tim Wick and Chad Dutton. Ding! It's gonna be awesome. It will be. Let's talk about The World's End. Yes. Oh. Oh, because that's a movie uh. that is about booze and the bad parts of booze and the good parts of booze. And it, well, it's about so many, there are so many layers. It's like an oh, onion. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You know, it, 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 the more I think about the world's end, the more I like it because the more I realize about it. I still have only seen it once. I've only seen it once yeah. too. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. So Edgar Wright is Oh, brilliant. He's, he's, oh, yeah. Absolutely fucking brilliant for I, making that movie. I, I, yeah. I don't know that it's as compulsively rewatchable as Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. Because 
Because you haven't tried it yet. Well, and also, Simon Pegg is more unlikable. Well, the thing, the thing, but the thing that Nick ha- Frost is badass. Yeah, they they swapped the parts essentially. Yeah. You know, for oh I my mean, god, you're right. I hadn't yeah, thought about yeah, that. He yeah. became the Nick Frost role, the asshole yeah. loser. Yeah. So the World's End is the third in this trilogy that started with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and you know, concluding with the World's End and. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are have swapped parts essentially. Yeah. And so it it's fascinating to me to watch Simon Pegg be this character and he's so absorbed in that character. It's it's a character we normally haven't seen Simon Pegg do. Well and also I kind of yeah, Simon Pegg. Nick Frost Nick was Fro- a Frost is amazing, yeah. Because I've always sort of thought, oh, you're that sidekick guy who's famous because Simon Pegg yeah. and Edgar Wright have yeah. become famous and drug you along. But how much do you really, how much actual talent do you actually have? A fuckload. As it turns out, yeah. Yes. He's fantastic in The World's End. I love it so much. But what I meant when I said both the good and the par- bad parts of booze and what booze oh, can yeah, do. Yeah is the good parts is it really does bring their circle of friends back together mm-hmm. as they're drinking their way and they're taking the time to connect. And it's sort of doing that social lubricant thing where they're opening up a little bit and finally airing some grievances. But then the bad part, too, of Simon Pegg's character is too involved in it and he's too involved in well we just have to finish this thing and yay booze and that means we're having a good time right yeah no booze is not why you have a good time Mm -hmm. you are having a good time because you're with people you like right and the booze just hopefully adds a modifying effect well, I mean, there's the, also the level that that character is living in the past and trying to drag people with him, not back realizing... Back to the past. Back to the past, well, not realizing that they've moved on. But, there, you know, that, mo- that movie works on so many levels, too. Yeah. You know, even just beyond the interpersonal stuff between all the characters it works like a swiss watch i mean even when you go through and look at all the bars they hit the name of the bars references points in the plot Mm -hmm. including you know the The very last one the world's end i love the idea that you won and now the world is fucked you're right okay you've won we're leaving you're fucked because you kind of needed us yeah because we kind of made your life better. And I love that conclusion where Simon Pegg comes back, where, spoilers, uh, with the the new group of people that kind of fit the mold of the people that he wanted to do this pub crawl with in the oh, first place. It seems to be sort of a, a theme in those movies. Like, even in Shaun of the Dead, when he runs back into um, What's-Her-Toes and everybody in her party... Oh, yeah. There's a reflection of yes. everybody in his party. Yes. Right? That idea of we we cycle through to... F- the friends we choose are always the same friends. They're just new iterations of them. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of interesting and sort of depressing. <laughs> kind of creepy. Okay, so then there's Sideways. Speaking of slightly depressing. Sideways really... De- really disturbed me when I saw it. I know. It's one of those movies everybody loved, and when I finally saw it, I'm like, this is about people who are kind of not nice and unhappy, and they don't actually figure out how to be happy, and I think being happy is super easy. You just choose to be happy. <laughs> well, well, you know, there are, there are other things that help being happy. Yes. But... Permutations. I mean, and I say yeah. that as somebody who's coming off of a year of unemployment and it can be difficult to choose to be happy but boy when you concentrate on the negative it's really easy to remain unhappy yeah yeah it's true but sideways i will say it's a very well-made movie with amazing performances oh yeah um definitely worth your time i find it really personally disturbing and I think it's the way the characters interact. And um, it's not Paul Giamatti's character. The other guy. I can't remember the uh, actor's Church. name. Church. 
Church. Yeah. Thomas Hayden. Thomas Hayden Church. That character really well, the bothers idea, the me. The idea that... And that's a personal thing. Oh, no. I mean, we are also a feminist podcast, and it is very offensive that they're going off on a bachelor party tour of wineries, mm-hmm. and this guy meets a girl mm-hmm. and starts sleeping with her and develops a relationship with her. And you're going to get married. Yeah. And the breaking point for Paul Giamatti's relationship with... um, What's uh, her nose? The blonde chick. Mm -hmm. Is that he let slip, oh no, I can't that date because it's his wedding. What do you mean his wedding? Well, yeah, he's engaged. What? What? Um, Yeah, this whole relationship he's got going with your friend... Yeah. Well, actually, he's getting he's engaged to be married to somebody else. And the only reason I met you is we came on this entire trip as a bachelor send-off. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Yeah. And uh, and Paul Giamatti is a character in that film where he's unwilling to embrace happiness and looks for the bad side of things and yeah, there's uh, Briefly, oh. on this list of booze movies, there was a mention of Flight with Denzel Washington. And I finally sat down to watch it because Denzel Washington. Yeah, and he's great. Yeah, he's great, but unfortunately it's a fucking movie of the week premise. I kept waiting for it to turn into something interesting, but no, it was just about a man confronting his addiction to alcohol. I'm like, oh. But it seriously, when he ends up in the last shot and at a group... AA meeting. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, but but he's fantastic. Denzel watch that that performance is worth watching the movie. He's great. Oh, and um John Goodman. Yeah. John Goodman in that movie. Okay, that's worth the price of admission right there. He shows up like twice and that is the best thing in the world. He, I love that character you know, so that, much. Yeah, that's pretty okay. Okay. That's pretty okay. Okay. So flight, boozy. Yeah, flight, flight. is boozy. So we should Oh, the Hangover. But you need to talk about the Hangover cuz I haven't seen it. Oh, Melissa. I know. Put it, it is, put it on the list. It is one of like when you think of the all-time great comedies and the thing about comedies is they're great and you watch them again, but they lose their punch the more you watch them, right? Even like Fish Called Wanda, mm-hmm. even some like It Hot, you know, I would put The Hangover up there with those movies. Oh, Because nice. when you watch it for the first time, it is balls to the wall. It is unapologetic. And the premise is so great. The Hangover. You start the movie, we're going to go out for a night on the town as for a bachelor party. Skip to the morning and what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and the place is trashed and there's a tiger in the bathroom and I'm missing a tooth and what did we do last night? And the way it unfolds as they start back and they've lost one, they've lost the groom. They don't know where he is. They're like, holy shit, we need to go back because he's getting married and we don't know where he is. What did we do with the groom? Do you remember what we did last night? No. Do you remember? I got this in my pocket. Okay. And they just start backtracking their steps with the clues they're given. And it's so... It is so farcical and balls to the wall, and it's so delightful, and it's oh. it's laugh out loud funny, and I I absolutely adore the movie. <laughs> All right, yours. So I want to do a shout out to saddest music in the world. This is yours because this is my, I don't know this that I've mine. seen this. One. Yeah, it is. It is a totally bizarre movie, and too few people know about it. It is well. Let me backtrack. There is a filmmaker in Canada, (laughs) in Winnipeg, by the name of Guy Madden. And Guy Madden is kind of an art house director, kind of. Um, he, He makes little independent movies. He is fascinated with the process of making movies in the silent era. So all of his movies are made with the processes and cameras and the look. Of the silent film Wait, era. The saddest music. In, did that have Johnny Depp in it? No. 
if you go to the Walker Art Center, if you go to the Modern Art Museum, they usually have at least one Guy Madden short playing. That That's the sort of audience he tends to aim for. But he also has this really weird, dry sense of humor. That would and if never you're watching, appeal to you at all. Oh, God. No, if... <laughs> if you if you watch it in the if you watch one of his short kind of silent films in the Walker Art Center, you kind of go because it's surrounded by modern art and you're in an art museum. You go, I don't know how to feel about this. Is this is this art? I don't know. So when the Walker Art Center closed for a year to renovate, this was I don't know five six seven years ago by now. Seven, eight years by now, whatever year it was, I went to the party, the closing party, before they shut down the art museum for a year. And as one of the festivities, this was the awesomest party in the world, by the way. It it was amazing. But anyway, one one of the parts of the museum that was open all night while they were having this closing night party was the theater. And they were doing an all night marathon of Guy Madden movies all of his feature length stuff. So like the movie about a town in the middle of a mountain pass where everybody has to whisper or else an avalanche will happen. And I was sitting there with Chris Jones, just going, I don't know who this guy is. We go into this, this movie theater and we start watching this movie. And about five minutes in we go, oh, it's a comedy. <laughs> and then it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> So a few couple years after this, um, Guy Madden comes out with Saddest Music in the World, which stars Mark Kinney from Kids in the Hall. What? And Isabella Rossellini. Wait, I know I've heard of this film. I know I've heard it mentioned. It it is in black and white, filmed in Winnipeg. It looks like a silent movie, but it's sound. And the premise of the film is it's set in Winnipeg in the 1930s during the Depression. And this rich beer baroness in the town has decided to throw a contest to find the saddest music in the world. And people with the saddest music in the world will win a chance to slide down this giant playground slide into a vat full of beer. (laughs) I know, right? I know, right? Okay, so the beer baroness is played by Isabella Rossellini, who is playing a paraplegic who has no legs, but she has this, there's this man in town who is fascinated with her, and so he builds her glass legs that she can fill with beer. So like the latter half of the movie, Isabella Rossellini is walking around on glass legs filled with beer. And if that is not a selling point of this movie, I don't know what could possibly be. Plus, Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall. Amazing. I remember the first time I saw Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and I hated it. Yeah? Yeah. It, it's it's a film, at least on the first viewing, that does not hold together. It is fucking chaos. Yeah? But the second time I watched it, I got it. And the, the failure in the film is that the point of the film is buried in the very end of it. There the very is, end? Yeah. Oh, it, my God. It, it, there is one scene where Hunter S. Thompson played by Hunter S. Thompson as Raul Duke played by Johnny Depp is going this is the promise that we were given and this is the aftermath of all of it it is one scene and that's all it is and if you miss that scene the entire point of the movie is and you have to watch the whole movie watch the scene and then put the pieces together retroactively right and so, in a way, the movie is kind of a failure of that. But I went back and read the book after seeing the movie a couple times. And okay. the book is fantastic. Well, it's Hunter S. It's Hunter S. Thompson. But the, the interesting thing about the book is that the book and the movie, like, in the raw technicality of it, like things happen here and here and here are kind of, are pretty different. But as an adaptation of the things that happen in the book, the movie is actually really, really true to it. The, That's the, awesome. the only failure it has is the fact that it didn't kind of hit the point of all of it earlier on. 
Yeah, I mean, you're asking a lot of an audience yeah. to wait until literally the last moment to make sense of everything. Right. But it's still a movie that doesn't leave you with a happy feeling. No. No. And it's certainly a movie that when you watch what they do under the influence, you're like, oh, oh shit. Oh, like the underage girl with the paintings? And, yeah. and they wake up yeah. and that, the room is so trashed. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know what? I kind of love the scene with the trashed room just to the level of chaos. Because you have Johnny Depp wandering around in hip waders, a dinosaur tail. He's got a tape recorder duct taped to his chest. He's got the sunglasses and the hat and the cigarette holder. (laughs) And I've always wanted to do that costume for Convergence. (laughs) I want the fucking hip waders and the dinosaur tail. Yes. (laughs) So Lost Weekend, which is a classic. Who's in that one? Ray Moland. Ray Moland. I love him so much. So, um, and that's one where, oh, look, I drank so much, I lost a weekend. Yeah. Days of Wine and Roses. Oh, look, Jack Lemmon. I drank so much, my life is shit. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Mash. Mostly... The Mash and Arthur, I put in the same sort of. They're comedies, but they're comedies with so much bite that it's not really a happy feeling at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's A Star is Born with James Mason. James Mason. The voice of God, if you you ever watch a um, Eddie Izzard. Oh look, I'm I'm God. That must mean I'm using the voice of James Mason, which wasn't a good yeah, James Mason. And, and at James, all. James Mason and Orson Welles kind of have the same voice. They kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Mash and Arthur have that same sort of look at how we're laughing at the shit that's going down, and mm-hmm. by the way, it's kind of just shit, and so. I don't really like those movies. <laughs> I've always been kind of lukewarm on Altman. He... I mean, I understand what he's going for. I just don't think it's my ballpark. Yeah, he he wants a much more objective view of the experience than what I want from a movie. Mm-hmm. I like an immersive experience, and he wants me to step back and really consider what, what I'm watching mm-hmm. while I'm watching it. That's not what I'm there for. Although, that said, if Robert Altman's name is on a film, I will watch it. Well, because it's going to be interesting. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, The Fucking Player. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is brilliant. We should talk about... Barfly? (laughs) Barfly. Barfly? Okay, you should talk about Barfly. I I should talk about, because I know you haven't seen Barfly. Barfly, which Barfly. I can... Barfly. As it is typed out, looks Barfly. like... Barfly. 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 It it's looks a, like an It's adverb. a movie about a dog. About a big, goofy dog. Or an adverb. I was Barfly. feeling very, very Barfly this afternoon. Yeah. But Barfly, the movie... It's actually kind of hard to get hold of these days, which is why I think most people haven't seen it. But it is, it stars Mickey Rooney. Not Mickey Rooney. What the fuck am I talking about? Whiplash. (laughs) Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Yes. (laughs) Fuck you, drunk brain. So... playing Charles Bukowski. I'm picturing a tiny little man tap dancing with Judy Garland (laughs) while being drunk. (laughs) Mickey Rourke is playing the legendary poet Charles Bukowski, who is also a legendary drunk. And it (laughs) it is basically just about this relationship between Charles Bukowski and Faye Dunaway's character. Yeah. And they're both alcoholics, and it is treated in a way where you can tell alcoholism is a problem, but it's not a dark movie. They're they're two people who care about each other, and it ends in a way where they they still care about each other. That's 
nice. Yeah, it it, it it's actually it, it is a movie that is done. Does it glorify alcoholism? No, it doesn't. Well, that's good. It doesn't, and it kind of gets. It into... Says the two women who get drunk every two. We are fucking soaked. <laughs> oh my god, I feel so hypocritical being judgy about alcoholics when I get drunk every two weeks with you. <laughs> yes, Ryan, this meta's for you. Mwah. Well, and okay, so bringing up my favorite year, which mm-hmm. you haven't seen. I know, I know. We're trading the movies we haven't seen. Which has Peter O'Toole being delightful. Why and have I not seen it? Because Peter wait, O'Toole wait, is one of my favorites. I want to say the guy from Perfect Strangers. Tonics. No, 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 no. That's not Perfect Strangers. No, no, that was Bosom Buddies. Bosom Buddies. <gasps> I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, shit. Perfect Strangers. What? Was, um, was that was that the guy? Not Valky? not the Bal not the Balky guy. The other guy. My Balky. Was Balky in Mark Joel? Lynn Baker? I am correct. Holy shit, Mark Lynn Baker! I saw him, by the way, live on Broadway in um. A funny thing happened on the way to. The, no, did I? Yes. No. Maybe on a. No. Anyway. <laughs> So my favorite year is delightful because it has Peter O'Toole, and he is—he's del- always delightful. Oh God, yes! And he's playing sort of an Errol Flynn character who is coming on to a TV show when he's been doing movies all his life. And I think it was written by like—it was based on Lord, of, sort of like Sid Caesar and those sort of shows and mm-hmm. his memoirs. And it was made into a Broadway musical, by the way, with Lynn Ahrens. Sweet. Lynn Ahrens of Schoolhouse Rock fame helped write the music. <laughs> she did. Awesome. And I know. I know these things. Awesome. And um, but anyway, the mu- the movie is delightful because he comes in and there's all these shenanigans as they're rehearsing the show. And the moment I remember most is when. Peter O'Toole, who's this sort of Errol Flynn, and of course they're having all this trouble because he's a drunk. Mm -hmm. And he's not showing up or he's wandering off or when he is there, he's totally incapacitated. And they're like, oh my God, what are we going to do with you? And he's like, well, I'm fine. I can do it. It's okay. (laughs) And, And so then they finally go to finally perform it. And he's like, I don't know why I get so stressed. I do fine in these things. By the third take, I'm okay. And Mark Lynn Baker is like, third take, no, this is live TV. That When you perform, you only get one chance, and they're watching you as you do it. And Peter O'Toole's character is like, what? <laughs> what? And he's like... I can't do this. And he he's like, he like runs out and starts drinking. He's like, what do you mean I have to do this live? I can't perform live. And he starts drinking. But then he comes in and he saves the day even though he's drunk. And it's wonderfully charming. And it, makes, it makes being drunk look fantastic. Because it's Peter O'Toole. That's mine. Oh, sorry. It's mine. Give, me, give, me, give me my wine. As I pick Here, up, clink. as I pick up my wine glass, because being drunk is fantastic. <laughs> but bad oh, Santa. There's ba- a mo- oh, bad Santa. There's a movie that both makes being an addict and a drunk look terrible, and yet kind of awesome. Yeah, because it's Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, no, that didn't sound drunk at all. Nobody's also, because it's playing up the part of drunk where you don't give a fuck what you're saying. You're just telling the truth. And there's something sort of delightful about somebody who is so altered that they're like looking at the person and going, I'm going to tell you the truth about what you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I was just at Disney. And let me <laughs> tell you, <laughs> if I had been, if I had been liquored up, the shit that could have flown out of my mouth. Would you people fucking learn to walk? Let's talk about Strange Brew because that is a good way to, a good cheerful way to close this episode. Yeah, drunkenness as a happy thing. Hold on. Oh, yes.
Bob and Doug McKenzie, how I miss them. It's true. I only ever saw their SCTV bits. I never saw Strange Brew. You never saw... Oh, you need to see Strange I Brew. I own it. We need to fix this. I know. It's, it seems you better than, rather it. than being a poser trying to fake my way through to just admit it. Oh. And I remember all of my friends had seen it and I had not... I well, know. you at least have seen the SCTV I have. bits. Yeah. So Bob and Doug McKenzie, a. Uh, Rick Moranis, a. and yeah, a. a, a, a. Rick Moranis. What what happened to his career? He was I... adorable, and I wanted to just pinch him, and he was he was my height, and I loved him <laughs> so much. Oh, he's so cute. Yes. The the lovely thing about Strange Brew is it it is a completely stupid comedy that actually has another level. And that other <laughs> level is Hamlet. <laughs> it is the plot of Hamlet. I The, the beer brewery is called Elsinore. Are you fucking shitting me? I am not fucking shitting you. Oh my god, now I totally need yes! to see it. You need to see this. Oh my god. I'm so shocked you haven't seen this because it is it is Hamlet. Now, in my there is a ghost that asks for <laughs> vengeance. It is Hamlet, and the ghost comes out of a video game, but that that doesn't matter. And it, Max von Sydow is in it. What I know, right? In my defense, so if you have not, are... if you have not seen Strange Brew, it is not nearly as stupid as you think. It is brilliant, stupid. <laughs> And if you are not a Rick Moranis fan, then you Why have not? not been watching movies with Rick Moranis. He, wait, that was, no, that was a different actor. But Rick <laughs> Moranis, no, because Peter, Peter, what's his toes, who was on the Newhart show. They were both short in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but Rick Moranis, of course, was in Ghostbusters and many other wonder and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. And he's delightful. He is. He, but and his, and Little Shop of Horrors. How could I forget? Well, yeah. Oh, uh, but because he can sing. Audrey, he can sing really well. He can sing. I like him but, very much. But his greatest, the greatest piece of his resume was SCTV. It's true. The moment I saw him show up on SCTV with the go-go boots and the silver spaceman outfit, I was on board. For that. <laughs> Okay, so let's do our listener questions. We need to do listener questions. So let's see. Let's do... Let's do... Ah, ah, ah this is ah, a good one. This okay. is a good one. I, we, we we have a backlog, so we, we are slowly getting through them. Yes, I was yes. on vacation. It's not my fault. Yeah, okay. So... Oh, wait, I'll, I'll ask this time. Oh, okay, okay. So, so we have listener questions on our website that you can answer, and we will read them out on the air. Who are you? Tonya Warshaw. What do you do? I have a theater degree, parentheses, performance, parentheses, and love movies, but I work in an office doing paperwork. Go figure. Yeah, that's where a lot of theater yeah, degrees end up. Yeah, yeah, I know how that goes. What is in your dream pleasure dome? Lots and lots of movies playing nonstop and no one bugging me and lots of people to watch them with. Yeah, I know that's contradictory. I don't care. No. <laughs> I love you, Tom, because it's so true. It's like, number one, don't bug me. I'm going to watch these. By the way, come sit next to me and watch these yes. with me. We both know Tanya, and, and Tanya is fabulous. And <laughs> I, I haven't seen her in a while, but she used to come over from my James Bond movie nights. Oh, yeah. That was so much fun because... <laughs> she's, she's a total James Bond nerd. <laughs> and by the I, way, you missed a Tanya, lot. There was lots and lots and lots of movies. Oh, playing, lots and lots and lots of movies. You're right. You're right. Playing I, nonstop. I'm kind of drunk. It's okay. But nobody, yes. nobody here is Oh, oh by, the way, by the way, Tanya, I miss you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a long time. Number four, give us a Pleasure Dome recommendation. I think you should do an episode about meta films. Oh. 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 Films that know their films or break the fourth wall as part of the plot. See 
Purple Rose of Cairo, Last Action Hero, etc. Yeah. I love those movies. Yeah. yeah. That's a good I, choice. We, yeah. We've already taken on uh, Last Action Hero a bit. A bit, because we talked about dumb action films that aren't dumb. Yes, we closed so, with last, last so action. So we should hero. we should add meta films to our list of topics. We will. Yes, thank yes. you very much. Thank you, Tanya. Tanya. <laughs> we love you, Tanya. Oh. Yay! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. It's the. <laughs> It's the sheepy Malbec. It's the, it's the sheep wine. It's the sheepy Malbec. <laughs> I'm going to blame it all on the sheepy Malbec. It's not my fault. Whew. Motherfucker. <laughs> Chris and I finished off a bottle of Tempranillo and we're both pleasantly tipsy and all I could think of was the sense memory of talking about movies with you. <laughs> Having closed the episode, we should do oh, that before we get okay, more drunk. Okay, 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 okay. So, thank you, listeners. We've been talking about boozy movies, <laughs> oh so appropriately. Well, I'm so boozy. <laughs> Are you gonna be okay? I'll be fine. <laughs> thank goodness we don't live too far from each other. Yeah. I can Hand crawl home. You can crawl home from here. Yeah. It is raining though. If you, I've got a comfortable case. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I got a comfortable couch. It's okay. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> You're a bad influence on Lissa I, I am terrible. All right, so I'm Wendy Bowlesby. I'm Lissa Kersher. We've been drinking a lot of sheepy Malbec. Sheepy Malbec. <clears throat> Le Grand Noir. Noir black sheep. The big black. That's what it means. It does. The big black. Vintage 2011. It's not vintage when it's that soon. It's. I'm sorry, that's three years ago. I know. That's not vintage. I was still dating the same guy back then. That's bullshit. I have a problem with wines that do that. Yeah, if the wine doesn't like predate my current relationship, that that's not vintage. I blame you, Ryan. I am drunk, <laughs> and I talked about drunk movies, and it's your fault. And if I sound drunk and inca- stupid and incapacitated, <laughs> it's your fault, <laughs> asshole. I would never have drunk this much. No, I would But it's your fault. Motherfucker. <laughs> Fucking people. Wait, 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 wait. We still need to close the episode. <laughs> I thought we did. I said oh, we, I'm we... Wendy. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, I got the hiccups. Uh, okay, we're giggly. We're giggly. Okay. I got the hiccups. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Xanus New Cinema Pleasure Dome. We love you all. I'm not hiccuping.